Okay, good morning, everybody. <laughs> so this week we read the parasha Tetzaveh. And uh, again, the, the parasha is really going to show us a couple of things uh, from the Zohar and from the, the writings of the Ari. It's going to show us <clears throat> why, why it's written in such a strange way and, uh, and what, uh, what the purpose is in doing that. So we see the, the opening verse of this week's parasha is very strange. Because it says, And you should command. Uh, who's you? It's, he's apparently Moshe. But the rest of the Torah we have, Hashem el Moshe. Hashem speaks to Moshe. Hashem tells Moshe, speak to the people. This is Moshe, tell the people. Here, we don't have the word, the beginning words, Hashem Moshe. We don't have Moshe's name at all. In fact, in the whole perasha, we don't have Moshe's name once. We have Hashem telling Moshe, Ve'ata, and you. Also, we don't even need Ve'ata. If Hashem just told Moshe, Sav ibn Israel, we know Hashem is talking to Moshe because he's been talking to Moshe the last, the last uh, few chapters in the Torah. So the question is, why Ve'ata? Why strange language? Ve'ata titzavet ibn Israel. You should command ibn Israel, Vayichu elecha, and they should bring to you. It's also very strange. Moshe is not the collection agent. Moshe is not the guy. It has to be other people involved in collecting. Moshe can't be the guy that they're going to bring it to. And it says, Shemen Zayit Zach. You're going to bring pure olive oil. Katit, beaten. Lamaor, to light up. Lehalot ner hatamid. So we have a couple of words that really aren't necessary. Katit is beaten. Lamaor, to light up. Because we already have the next word is lehalot ner tamid. To light the eternal, the eternal fire. Or the eternal candle. So we want to focus in a moment on the on the language of the Torah. And we're going to try to understand why why is the language so strange here? Why does it say tetzaveh? Because it says ve'atayu. Tetzaveh is a language saying you should command. Why doesn't it just say sav, which we have a number of other times in the Torah? Sav, command. Why does it say ve'ata and you? Tetzaveh, you command. Almost like a double language that it should be you. Who else is it going to be? And the command is for them to bring it, we said, to Moshe Rabbeinu. Why Moshe specifically? Why Katit? Why does it, we show it as, as beaten. Katit also means destroyed. What is, what, is, what is a relationship between the olive oil and something destroyed? So the Tor Ha'aroch, the Tor, which was written by Rabbeinu Yaakov ben Asher, it's written approximately the year 1300. And it's interesting to know who's writing this and when they lived and where they lived. And he lived in France around 1300. He writes, And basically he's asking a question. Why Atah? Why no Moses? And he says that Moshe Rabbeinu is mentioned in every perashah of the Torah. Since Shemot, when he's born, through the end of the Torah, the whole book of Devarim is basically Moshe is dictating that book. It's his speech. And in one of the parashiyot, Mitzavim is very short. His name is not there. But it's obvious that he's saying everything. So he says, why here is Moshe's name not mentioned? We're going to see next week when B'nai Israel uh, worshipped the golden calf. Hashem says, I'm going to destroy the people. So Moshe basically says to God, Wipe me out from your book if you're going to destroy the people. He says it conditionally. If you're going to destroy the people, then wipe me from your book. He says, it seems here, he opened his mouth. Once he opened his mouth, the words of his sadiq come true. And his name had to be wiped from the book. Mesifrecha, Mesefer, Chaf. From the from book number Chaf. What's Chaf in Hebrew? 20. The 20th book is this book, uh, this Perashav Tetzaveh. So Moshe opens his mouth, and we're going to come back to this idea with Altif Tachper. We also uh, posted a class on Sunday on it, where a person has to be very careful about what they say, because even if they don't mean it, their words create reality and the words can come true. We see also in this parashah that Aaron is appointed as the high priest. So it's possible in order to give Aaron all of the, the glory, all of the credit, Moshe Rabbeinu didn't want his name in this book. He wanted it to be all about the clothing of the Kohen, the lighting of the Menah, which is going to be his brother. So he wanted his brother to have, to have it. And that's why in this parashah, 
we see relating to Aaron, in addition to all the clothing, we have two items that relate to the, the Mishkan. One is the lighting of the menorah, which Aaron is going to do. And the other one is the golden altar, which Aaron is going to bring the incense on. Rabbi Nubachya says, he quotes that the lights which Aaron is going to kindle. He says that at the time of the inauguration of the Mishkan, when the Mishkan was being inaugurated, we're going to see on the first of Nisan, all of the princes of all of the tribes brought their, each they brought their offering, but the tribe of Levi and Aharon did not. And Aaron was very depressed. And God said to Aaron, don't worry, you're going to be there always. You're going to light the menorah throughout time. And even your, your descendants will relight it as the Maccabees when they come back during the time of Hanukkah. The word katit, they ask, why, why beaten? This is interesting that katit, the numerical value of katit is 830. And we know that the first Bet HaMikdash was 410 years, and the second Bet HaMikdash was 420 years. So the menorah is going to be lit in the Bet HaMikdash for a total of 830 years. He says, what about in the future? And he brings that that's the word Lama'or, illuminated, because once... You have the third Bet HaMikdash, it's going to be illuminated forever and you don't have to worry about losing the light. Dora Chaim HaKadosh writes in around 1700, he was from Morocco, very big Mikubal, we use him, his, his explanations on Kabbalah, uh, uh, are always based on Kabbalah. And he says Ve'ata is because Hashem is talking specifically to Moshe Rabbeinu that he has to do something for God. Why? Imagine for a second, Hashem is telling B'nai Israel to light the menorah inside the Mishkan. Some people are going to think, oh, God needs light in the Mishkan. It's his, you know, his little studio apartment, his, uh, Pierre de, right, his you know, he, he needs to have light in it. So Hashem is saying to Moshe, you know, you tell them from you that they should bring the light in order to honor God. I'm not doing it as a command, even though it is a command. It should be something that they want to do in order to bring light to the Bet HaMikdash. So he's saying, you have to command them as if it's coming from you and it's not coming from, from Hashem himself. <clears throat> the Torah also is introducing us here to the, to the idea of the, of the Kohanim. But he goes further and he says, in the Zohar it says that when Hashem is saying, you're going to command, and you're going to relate to this whole idea of lighting the menorah, he says in the Zohar that in every generation, every Torah scholar has a spark within his neshama of Moshe Rabbeinu. Moses is inside everyone to enlighten them, and the word is to enlighten them, to give them light, and that light relates to the eternal light, the Ner Tamid, that's being lit in the Bet HaMikdash. So we should all try to have access to this light of Moshe, which is inside each of us. He brings one more reason. He says that the people are going to say that Moshe, come on, what are you talking about? God is really going to have a presence in this Bet HaMikdash. You're really going to feel it forever. How could that be? Maybe day one, God will be there, but God has better things to do. It says that when they lit the menorah, the center, which we call the western light, the center light of the menorah, that center light never went out. Even when the ones to the left and the right, the oil ran out. You know, we have the miracle of Hanukkah that the light lasted for eight days. The reality is there's the miracle of the light of the Bet HaMikdash, that for the first 410 years of the, the, the Bet HaMikdash, that center light never went out. The center. So, so basically, it's the center light, and we could relate that center light maybe to Shabbat, with the three days before, the three days after. It's the center column of the menorah. That light never went out, and that light is relating to this. Ve'ata, uh, you're going to command because this light is going to be in Ner Tamid. It's going to be eternal, and it's going to relate to the fact that my presence is always in the Bet Hamikdash. Anyone who comes into the Bet HaMikdash will see miracles, and they'll know through the miracles that I'm there, God is saying, and through them knowing that I'm there, they're going to know that everything you said is true. So you're doing this in a way, Vata, for you. 
for yourself. <coughs> the, the word katit also relates to beaten. Why beaten? Because it says if a person wants to be like Moshe and have the spark of Moshe in them, the person can't just think they're going to sit back and the Torah is going to come to them. They have to make an effort. They have to sort of beat themselves up to learn. They have to push themselves. They have to struggle. There's no gain without pain. That's the, the idea be- between, behind Katit. And he's writing that a person who wants to be a Torah scholar has to be willing, has to be willing to learn. And finally, he says, Lehalod ner tamid. The expression tamid is unlimited duration. And he says, this is for the times of the Mashiach. And it should be, he says, Amen, Kenyi, that's what it should come soon. Now, I just want to go a little bit deeper. And we're going to bring again the Pasuk. So we see that Hashem is commanding us, and it's to take. Normally you would say, They're going to take for me? No, they're going to give me. To give. Kach in Hebrew is to take. Why are we using the word take instead of give? What, why this oil specifically is for the menorah, maybe a better level of oil would be to anoint someone, to anoint a king or to anoint a priest. And where are they going to get olives, oil in the desert? Do the olive trees grow by an oasis? How can you even command them to do it? Rings Adi, why to Moshe Rabbeinu? Like we said, he's not the one doing it. Maybe tell them to give it to Aaron or tell them to give it to one of Aaron's children. Why to Moshe and as we said, we said the Baal says Moshe's name doesn't appear in this parashah from the, from the beginning of the Chumash until, until uh, the end of the Chumash. And we say because Moshe pleads when he says, Mecheinina. So he says, the, the uh, Rabbeinu Asher, like we mentioned, he says, Al tiftachpe, a person should be very careful not to say something out of their mouth. He says, because Chazal teaches in Berachot that even the curse or imputed words of a chacham carries some validity. Therefore, Hashem chose to admit Moshe's name from this perashah. He says someone could look at it as a punishment, that they took away Moshe's name from the perashah. I think it could also be the opposite. Because the fact that Moshe's name is not in this perashah, that's all we talk about. That Moshe's name is not in this perashah, we relate to Moshe. Because Moshe was really acting... As a, as a loyal shepherd, he was trying to save his flock. Hashem told Moshe, I'm going to destroy the people. I'm going to destroy the people. Don't destroy the people. Erase me if you're going to destroy the people. Moshe is sort of threatening back to Hashem. He says, Hashem, if you don't, if you don't uh, bear their sin, you're going to erase me from your book forever. So could Hashem find no other way to deal with what Moshe said than to remove him from this perashah? Doesn't Hashem have other ways of doing things? When Moshe says to Hashem, but if not me, erase me, what book is he referring to? Uh, which book? Which book are you referring to? And it could be the book of life. And Moshe is basically saying, if you're going to kill them, kill me first. Additionally, why didn't Moshe say explicitly what he said in the case of the complainers? And he, when, when there were other people complaining to Hashem, Moshe went and gave a whole speech to Hashem. Here he says specifically, Erase me from your book. Kill me first. So we go back to Noah. And we see Noah was in the ark one full year. Noah went into the ark in Cheshvan. He came out of the ark in Cheshvan. One year exactly later, he comes out of the ark. Why do we have specifically a year that Noah is in the, in the ark? We know that the flood was 40 days and 40 nights. And then it takes the rest of the year in order for the water to come back for them to be able to come out. The rabbis say that the takana, the decree against the rasha in Gehinam, the decree against the wicked person in Gehinam, is a maximum of one year. So he's saying, Noah's a wicked guy that he has to spend a year basically in this kind of a, a Gehinam. He says, when the boat comes to rest, it's over. He's doesn't know if he could open the door yet. What does he do? He sends out a raven. The raven comes back. He's not interested. Then he sends out a dove. The dove brings back an olive branch. And the rabbis say, what is the idea of an olive branch that the dove is bringing back? And the rabbis say that the dove is saying to Noah, I would rather have the bitter olive branch or the bitter olive than from God, than you feed me 
in the ark. And you could say, this guy is a complete ingrid. Yeah, I saved you and your 13 uh, other doves in the ark for a whole year, and now this is how you're talking to me? What is he really telling him? In Shir Hashirim, we compare Bnei Israel to a dove. We're compared to a dove. Now Am Yisrael is commanded to do what? To bring to Moshe olive oil. So the rabbis compare the dove bringing the olive branch to Noah, which Bnei Israel being commanded to bring olive oil to Moshe Rabbeinu. The Midrash Tanhuma says that the reason why Hashem commanded us to light the, the menorah specifically with olive oil is intimately related to the incident of the dove bringing back the branch to Noah. How? How does one relate to the other and what's the lesson? We see regarding the opening words of the perashah, it says there, quoting a pasuk in Shir Hashirim, you are beautiful, my, my love, you are beautiful, and your eyes are like a dove. So we compare B'nai Israel to this dove. Hashem says in the Midrash, you resemble the dove. How so, the Midrash asks. When Noah was in the ark, it says he sent out the raven, then he sent out the dove, and the dove came back to him with this olive branch. So Hashem says, I'm continuing in the Midrash, just as the dove brought light to the world, why? Because the dove is telling Noah the, the, the world is back and could be habitable, right? He says, so too, you're like a dove. You brought olive oil. You, and so just like the, 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 sorry, the dove brought back the olive and showed there was light in the world, we have to bring olive oil to light the menorah, which shows there's an eternal light in the world. That's the end of the Midrash. So the Midrash questions why were they commanded to bring pure olive oil? They could have brought another kind of oil, nut oil, radish oil, fish oil. And the Midrash says because olive oil signifies illumination. Olive oil signifies light. The commentaries on the Midrash explain that when the dove brought Noah back the olive leaf, Noah realized that the flood was over. And as a result, he and his family abandoned, this is the, the wording they use, the darkness, the choshech of the ark, and they entered the light of the world. So one, he says, relates to the other. So while it's true that Bnei Israel resemble a dove, we have to explain what, was, what the dove did, why was it so remarkable? Apparently it was so remarkable that the dove brought this olive branch that Hashem is making us light a menorah, because the dove brought Noah back this olive branch. So there has to be a tremendous and tremendous lesson for us. The second time he does fly away, right? So the Khatam Sofer brings down in his Derashot in the name of the Yalkut Reuveni concerning the juxtaposition of the Parshiot. The last word of last week's Parashah of Terumah, the last word is, you remember? The last word is Nechoshet. And it says Nechoshet. And then the first word of this perasha is Ve'ata. Perfect. So if you take Nechoshet, it's Nun Chet. And then Shin Taf. What is Nun Chet? Noach. Shin Taf. Shet. Ve'ata. So he says, what is Hashem saying? Noach, Shet, and you. Two. Moshe, meaning all of you are one person. Shet is Seth. This is the, so Adam and Chava have, have, have Cain and Hevel. Hevel dies. He's killed by his brother. And then they have another son. And the Pasuk says, Shet Tachat Hevel. Shet is the reincarnation of Hevel who was killed. So we have the soul Hevel who comes back as Shet, who comes back as Noah who comes back as Moshe Rabbeinu. So he says the Khatam Sofer that the whole idea of Nechoshet, it's not Nechoshet, it doesn't mean brass, copper, it means Noach, Shet, Ve'ata. All of you. And it's right in the Torah, he says. He says, Moshe Rabbeinu is a Gilgul of the Neshama of Noach, who's a Gilgul of Shet, who's a Gilgul of Hevel. 
In other words, the last word of Pashat Teruma and the first word of Pashat Tetzaveh, these allude to the th- these three Gilgulim. The Chatan Sofer adds, what do they have to bring? Shemen. He says, what's Shemen? Shet, Moshe, Noach. He says now, the illusion of pure olive oil here indicates that these Gilgulim are finally corrected by who? Moshe Rabbeinu, Ve'ata. You have to fix everything. How? He says, why is it a fact alluded here and not somewhere else more, more fitting? He says, why did HaKadosh Baruch Hu allude to these Gilgulim in this perasha relating to oil? He says, we learn in the Gemara, in Sanhedrin 108, we learn in a Braitah from the Academy of Rabbi Ishmael that the decree to punish and destroy the world with the Mabul was issued against Noach as well. The Gemara says Noach should have been killed in the flood. He was spared. Why? Because it says, Noach matzachen b'nei Hashem. Noach found favor in the eyes of Hashem. What does that mean, he found favor? He says, he says, says Hashem in Bereshit, I reconsidered making man, but Noach matzachen, but Noach is the one guy I'm going to save. What does that mean? What did Noach do to, to find chen? He says, the obvious question is, if Noach is included in the decree of the Mabul, this is the Gemara, and did not deserve to be saved, why did it matter that he found favor in Hashem's eyes? After all, the Torah explicitly describes Hashem as a person who doesn't take a bribe. So you found favor? If you deserve to get killed, he should have got killed. So, so the Shulei Pinchas writes, In truth, Noah was a perfect Sadiq. However, he had one major flaw. He didn't venture out of his four, of his Dalet Amot, of his four cubits, of his own little space. He didn't influence anyone in his generation. The pre-Megadim explains that Noah wanted to be secluded with Hashem. He didn't venture out to rebuke the people. He didn't venture out to teach them. He didn't venture out to make any difference whatsoever. The Zohar Kadosh says that Noah, not having prayed on behalf of the people of his generation and saved them, is the opposite of Moshe Rabbeinu, who saves the people after the Chet HaEgel. I have compassion for him because, um, so you have Enoch that was taken by God, and you have, you know, Adam and Kava that would not be able to dare argue with God. He gave an answer. So he's in fear of, uh, he takes what God tells him to do, and that's what he does. That's what he does. And so what he, does Shet have to do with not praying for, the, what is that? So, so Shet and Noah are interesting because, Shet is really the creator of the world in, 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 a, in a way. Why? Because all of us come, for the most part, from Shet. We see the descendants of Shet eventually come, come to Noah. So Shet, just like you have Adam and Chava, but they have Cain and Hevel, Cain kills Hevel, Cain is a little bit out of the picture. So Shet is really the father of mankind. He has the ability to influence mankind in a perfect way. The same way Noah has the ability, because when the world is destroyed, Noah becomes the father of all mankind. So they both have the potential to create mankind any way they want. They're both looked up as the father of mankind. They have the ability to steer their children one way or another. What's interesting is, we talk about Abraham. Had Abraham lived in the time of Noah, or had Noah lived in the time of Abraham, and the reality is they did live in the same time. Because Abraham is 52 years old, or 48 years old, when Noah dies. So Abraham was alive when Noah was there, but Noah had zero influence on Abraham. And even though that, that Noah, we have the yeshiva of Shem ve'ever, which is Noah's son Shem, and his grandson Ever, and the people who studied there, even the yeshiva Shem ve'ever, it didn't go out to reach out to students. It was here. If you wanted to go there... You went in the door, and they locked the door. They didn't share knowledge with anyone. The difference is Abraham, who builds a tent in the middle of the road with four doors open on all sides, and he finds it his life's goal to to tell people about God. That's the difference we see between, between, say, Noah and Abraham, which we compare in Pashat Noah, but it's also, we're going to see the difference, a big difference between Noah and Moshe. The Zohar Kadosh says that he should have prayed for the people. 
We know that when Noah comes out of the ark, he offers a sacrifice. And Hashem tells him, Noah, I'm going to promise never to destroy the world again. As a sign, I'm going to show you the rainbow. And at that point, Noah realizes, had I prayed before, had I done something before the flood, I may have been able to stop the flood because just as God promised he would never bring a flood again, I had the potential to have him not bring the flood in the first place. And then the, it's all downhill. He gets drunk and boom, he's totally depressed at that point. And when a person's in depression, it's impossible to, it's impossible to, to connect. So we say Noah was included in the decree of the Mabul. Why? Because he didn't do anything to help the people. 120 years, he didn't do anything. He says, this leaves us a question. Then how did he find favor in Hashem's eyes? Why did God save Noah? Says Rabbeinu Hari, the Arizal, he says in, in Likute Torah, he says, this is why Noah reincarnated into Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe, Moses, corrects Noah's flaw for failing to pray on behalf of his generation. But he's going to go so further. He's going to go further. He says, by praying to save Yisrael from extermination after the Cheta Egel, Noah afforded, no, I mean, Moshe, Moshe made a tikkun for Noah's neshama. He says that, know that Noah was like Moshe, except for one thing. He failed to pray for his generation. Therefore, Moshe says, we said the words that Moshe uses are mecheni na. Mecheni na. Mecheni is, the word mecheni, you reverse the letters, it's me noach. The Navi calls the flood me noach, the waters of noach, because the Navi accuses noach of being complicit in the evil that caused the flood. It says that Moshe says mecheni, me noach, and he says mecheni na. And if you take the words mecheni na, it's ani noach. So when, when, when Moshe is coming to Hashem, he's saying to Hashem, please Hashem forgive the people, because when Noah had the opportunity to do this, he messed up, and I have to fix up what Noah failed to fix. It says that Noah had 120 years of building the ark, where he should have prayed on behalf of the people, and he did not. And this 120 years became the lifetime of Moshe Rabbeinu, who lives 120 years. It says, Moshe resumes praying on, behalf, on their behalf based on the failure of Noah. This explains very nicely when Hashem says to Moshe, stop praying. Moshe is praying to Hashem. Hashem says, stop. Let me be angry with them. Let me destroy them. Let me make you a great nation. Hashem is saying, just do what you did last time. Last time I said, I'm going to destroy the world, go in the ark, make a whole world from you. Worked out fine. Do it again. Do it again, Moses. Let them get destroyed. I'll make a whole nation from you. You'll be my chosen nation. So Moshe, what was Hashem doing? He was testing. What happens is, how do we pass a test? We fail a test. How do we pass the test? We have to be tested in the exact same thing again. Noah failed to save the world. Moshe, who was Noah, is put in the same exact test to see what he would do. Hashem is saying, are you going to do what you did before? And Moshe is saying, no, I'm not doing it. Would, you ne- would he neglect to pray for the people and accept to be a nation? No. So due to his great affection for B'nai Israel, Moshe was willing to sacrifice himself Really, when he says erase me from the book, means erase me from the book of life. Erase me from history. As if I'd never existed. Take my soul and wipe it out if you're going to destroy them. So the Arizal says in Sha'ara Pisukim that the people of the generation of the Mabul had very important neshamot and they were reincarnated into B'nai Israel who were in Egypt and left Egypt. And he brings that that was why the decree against them was to throw the babies into the water because that related to the punishment of the Mabu. He says, when we combine all of this and the fact that they got the Torah at Har Sinai, we begin to understand what Hashem is doing. Says the Arizal, he reincarnates Nishamot with perfect precision to rectify them. 
the generation of the Mabul came back into Mitzrayim. They were refined there and they left Egypt with Moshe Rabbeinu. Noah was the spiritual leader in the generation of the Mabul. He comes back as Moshe, the leader, during Yetziat Mitzrayim. This time he was willing to sacrifice his life on their behalf to save them and help achieve their tikkun. We could better understand why Hashem said the decree was issued even against Noah, but Noah matzachen b'nei Hashem. Again, what does that mean? On his own, Noah did not deserve to be spared from the Mabul. He failed to rebuke his contemporaries. He says so, but he found favor in the eyes of Hashem. In other words, Hashem foresaw, so to speak, that Noah was going to come back as Moshe Rabbeinu, and Moshe would rectify the mistakes of Noah. Therefore, in the merit of Moshe, Noah was excluded from the decree of the Mabul. Says that perhaps we could say that Noah didn't appreciate the world that Hashem had given him. When we come into this world, before we leave the place of the Neshamot, below the Kisei Kavod, we are asked one question. Will you appreciate and be responsible for the world in which you are being placed? And we have to say yes. How far do we have to appreciate? Imagine, we were in Egypt 210 years. 86 of those years, we were in hard labor. They killed us, they beat us, they did terrible things to us. Still, what, still, what does the Torah tell us? Don't hate an Egyptian. Don't hate an Egyptian. Because when we needed a place to go, when Yosef was there, when we needed food, they were there for us. So even if the result was tragic, we have to appreciate everything in this world. Says the Ari, we have to understand what's the whole idea of the Mishkan, that we have all of these vessels. He says that when we have the Shulchan, which is the table which had the showbread, we're reminded to appreciate Hashem who gives us food to eat. He says when we have the Kior, which was the basin where they washed, we're reminded to appreciate Hashem who gives us water. The Midrash goes through every single item in the Mishkan, and tells us that every single item was only there to remind us to appreciate something that Hashem gives us in this world. We have an opportunity every single morning when we say the blessings in the morning. If you think of the blessings that you're saying, the problem is that most of us, at least I know, by, we mumble through them. But if you think for a second, Hashem is giving me eyes to see. He opens up the eyes of the blind. Imagine if I couldn't see. Imagine if I open and I can't, my eyes are, you know, I, I, it's, it's, everything is, uh, is out of focus. Imagine this, imagine that. Wow, Hashem, you gave me eyes. How much would the blind person give to be able to see for a day? And I say, thank you, Hashem, for my sight. And then Zokev Kivufim, that I'm able to stand up that I don't have to have the back, whatever, you know, we were talking, that, that I'm able to stand up, that I'm able to walk, that I'm able to do the things I do, that I have shoes, that I have clothes to wear, that I have a hat, that I could go to the bathroom. I, I mean, I remember the first time I appreciated Asher Yatzar was when I had a kidney stone. I lay there with the kidney stone and the first time I ever appreciated the fact that a person <coughs> go to the bathroom was that day. Because you just put in a position, you don't appreciate what you have until you don't have it. But we're given the Berachot to appreciate really what we have. It says, what was the problem with the people of the Tower of Babel? They were the Bnei Adam. They were the children of Adam HaRishon. They didn't appreciate. They had everything that the world could give them. And still, what did they want to do? They wanted to rebel and battle against Hashem. The key to the Mishkan, the key to the Mikdash is to appreciate. Moshe Rabbeinu, he appreciates life. He appreciates people. He appreciates Hashem's creation. He begs Hashem not to destroy. We see in Parashat Shemot, the first thing Moshe sees is a Jew is being hurt. He wants to go help him. A Jew is fighting with another Jew. He wants to stop them from fighting. He goes out and he comes to Midian and he sees the shepherds are, are, uh, are not allowing the, the daughters of Yitro to, to water. He wants to go help them. He's always there to intercede, to help someone else because he cares about the world. He cares about Hashem's creation. He appreciates it. There's a need to fix the sin of Adam, the sin of Dor HaFlagah. 
says, when we think that we do Avodah Zarah, what is Avodah Zarah? What is, when we talked about Avodah Zarah, basically Avodah Zarah is a person saying, you know, someone else is in charge, someone else created the world. It's almost like my, my grandson coming to me with G.I. Joe goes, that's really my grandpa, you are not my grandpa. Does it, am I going to even think about it? But it wasn't. It was, it was the fact that they wanted to throw off Hashem from the world. They wanted to throw, they didn't want to deal with Hashem. The golden calf, we start to worship. Why? Because we got out of Egypt and Hashem gave us all these laws and we says, oh boy, I don't want to have any laws. I don't want to have any restrictions. The golden calf was just a way to say, I don't want any of this. The power of Moshe is really that the, the same way that the dove tells Noah, I would rather have the bitter olive from you, from God, than whatever you're going to feed me. So now we're the same as the dove. Moshe appreciates. So what do we? We bring Moshe the olive oil, and that olive oil is supposed to illuminate the menorah, which illuminates the world. We see in the, in the story of Purim, Haman says God is sleeping. What does it mean God is sleeping? Haman realizes that God's behavior to us reflects our behavior to God. We always say, Hashem silecha al yad yiminecha. God is, is, is your shadow on your right side. Whatever you do, God does. So it says, if we disconnect, if we don't appreciate, if we don't relate to Hashem, then Hashem says, okay, you don't want me? I'll go hide. Says in the time of Purim, Eliyahu Navi goes up and says to heaven, Everyone, we need you to pray. Go see each of the Avod. Pray, pray, pray. Finally, he comes to Moshe Rabbeinu and Moshe says, Well, you want me to pray up here? Who's down there? He says, Mordechai. Why Mordechai? Because Mordechai cares about the people. Mordechai cares about Hashem. Mordechai appreciates everything he's given. Mordechai is the one who could connect to Hashem. Because he cares about everyone else around him. If you care about other people, then Hashem reflects your behavior and cares about people the same way. So Moshe Rabbeinu is in heaven. He says, I can't do anything up here. I need a connection below. Who's the connection below? Mordechai. says that in this, we, we say that Moshe, the, in, in Adar, Moshe was born and died on the 7th of Adar. This year's a leap year. Is, is, is it this month? Is it the next month? But he says that we don't have Moshe. So we think Moshe is gone. Haman, why is he going to destroy the people in Adar? Because he says there's no more Moshe. There's no connection anymore. But he doesn't realize, Haman, that the connection is still there. There's everyone has this little spark of Moshe as long as they recreate Moshe below. This week we read, We have to understand the dove. We have to understand where, where Noah was lacking. There's this eternal fire, the menorah. The menorah is a reminder that Hashem is always with us. He's always connected to us. The light keeps lighting. The, the, the mishkan is a reminder of the clouds. You have the roof of the mishkan. It reminds you of the clouds that Hashem gave. You have the Torah, the kapora, the cover. Everything is there to remind us to appreciate Hashem and to fix the sin of Adam. Because what's really the sin of Adam? That he didn't appreciate everything that God gave him. He, Hashem tells him, you have everything, everything. Just one thing don't do. The one thing he doesn't do. And then when he, when he doesn't, he, and God comes to him, he doesn't say, I'm sorry. That's, it's like a loop. No appreciation. So the repairing it is to appreciate. Ramban, Nachmanides says, the purpose of creation is to appreciate the world Hashem gives us. Why do we do the simanim on Rosh Hashanah? Because the simanim on Rosh Hashanah, we're eating foods. How are these foods that we eat going to make a better year for us? Because we look at the foods and we say, wow, Hashem, what a beautiful world you gave us. Thank you so much. When a, when a parent gives a child a gift and the child says, thank you so much for the gift, what does the parent want to do? Give them another gift. But a child that says, eh, eh, you don't want to do anything for that child. So the idea, says Ramban, is that with every breath we have to appreciate. He says, Adam didn't, we have to correct it. We build a synagogue, we come to appreciate all of the things that, that you, could, you could do. So really, the, the, that's the beginning of lesson number one. It goes further, he says, this is Shivlei Pinchas, he says, 
that Hashem says to Noah, come to the Teva, you and your entire household, because he says you are righteous before me. If we calculate the generations between Noah and Moshe Rabbeinu, we find that there are 17 generations. It says, for we learned in the Mishnah, there are 10 generations from Noah to Abraham, and from Abraham to Moshe, there's seven more. Hashem tells, tells Noah, you're seriously lacking. You didn't pray on behalf of your generation. But what does he say to him? He invites him in, and the Gemara says, says why? Because he says, Hador Hazer. What's Hador Hazer? This generation. If we take Hazer and the Gematria of Hazer, it's Hey, Zion, Hey, it's 17. He says, Dor Hazer doesn't refer to Dor Hazer. The only reason I'm saving you is because in 17 generations, you're going to come back as Moshe Rabbeinu. He says, Hashem tells Noah that I see in the future in 17 generations, the Gilgul of Moshe, he's going to be the Sadiq. He's going to be the one tested. He's going to be the one to make up for whatever you're lacking. And he says, and now therefore, Moshe says to Hashem, bear the sin, if not, Moshe reminds Hashem. He says, you said Noah found favor in your eyes because of what? Dor Hazer. Me. This is my test. I have to do what I'm supposed to do. And that's why you have to bear their sin. He says, if not, erase me from your book. And this is the, the correction of him. In other words, erase the statement that you wrote in the book. What is he telling you? He says to me, if you don't forgive the people, erase from the book the fact that you said to Noah, I see Bedor Hazer. He says that statement in Parshat Noah that's already written has to be removed because then I don't fulfill Dor Hazer. I don't fulfill the 17th generation to correct Noah. And that's what you're going to have to remove from the book. So therefore, he says, since I'm the Gilgul of Noah and the decree was issued against me, I deserve to die in his place. After all, I failed in the time of Noah. With this in mind, we understand now what's happening in this perasha. Moshe Rabbeinu said, erase me from your book. And now Hashem says, okay, I'm going to erase you from here, from this book of Tetzaveh, which relates to the oil, which relates to the idea that we said, Nechoshet ve'ata, Noach shet ve'ata, and relates to Moshe Rabbeinu being a Gilgul of Moshe, and correcting, I mean Gilgul of Noach, and correcting Noach and Shet. So Hashem doesn't mention Moshe's name in this perasha because of his act of self-sacrifice praying on behalf of his generation. His act of self-sacrifice, of removing himself, we have to be reminded of what he did. Therefore, Hashem alludes to the fact that Moshe accomplished the tikkun for the neshama of Noah, who was a Gilgul of Shet in this week's perasha. We point out the word Shemin is those three Gilgulim. We said again, Shet, Moshe, Noah. The Midrash Tanhuma says you have to really understand the, the dove. How does it explain the dove? The Midrash Tanhuma says, Hashem commanded us to light the lamps in the Bet HaMikdash, specifically with olive oil to commemorate the deed of the dove. It says, after the Mabul, after the flood, she returned to Noah with an olive leaf in her, brand, in her mouth. With regard to this incident, the Midrash says, just as the dove brought light to the world, so too you, B'nai Israel, who are compared to the dove, will bring olive oil and light the lamp before me. The Gemara says, Rabbi Yochanan said, just as the olive causes forgetting of 70 years, this is in the Gemara. So an olive, if you eat an olive from an olive tree, it's very, very bitter. And a person should never eat an olive that wasn't, is it pickled? It's a pickled, mm-hmm. right? You don't eat an olive until it's cured. I don't know mm-hmm. the word. So you don't eat an olive until then because an olive is very bitter. It says a person who eats olives from the tree will forget. The person who's going to eat olive oil will restore and bring back memory. It says, what's the difference? It says the Gemara says, he says, we have to explain, what's the difference that an olive will cause you to forget and the olive oil will cause you to remember. The Gemara says, the virtues of one who teaches Torah to others. We say in Eshet Chayil, Pi ha-parcha 
Her mouth is open with wisdom, and her and the Torah of Chesed is on her tongue. And we say it, hopefully all your husbands and kids say it to you every week, says that Torah Chesed literally is the Torah of kindness. Is there a Torah of kindness and one not of kindness? What does that mean, Torah Chesed? Is there two Torahs? The Gemara asked the question. It says that in one way, Torah Chesed is a Torah you pass on to someone else. The Torah of Nat Chesed is the Torah you keep to yourself. Whoever the Gemara says withholds the teaching of a halacha is as if he robs him of his ancestral heritage. Torah is what? Morashat Hilat Yaakov. It's that which we inherit. So we find in the Gemara that a Torah scholar who studies alone is castigated and severely punished. It says that, what, what, what is this teaching? The Midrash Mul and Avodat Yisrael explain, if you learn much Torah, do not keep the precious commodity to yourself. Rather, a person has to share it and teach it to others. Because this is the purpose why you were created. Says the Avodah Yisrael adds, because man was born le'amal. The word le'amal is to toil. He says, what does le'amal mean? Lilmod, to learn. Al, minat, in order to, le'lamed, to teach. If you ever want to truly learn, the only way you can know you learn something is if you give it over to someone else. Every time you learn something, try to give it over to someone else because you fulfill that man was created le'amal, to struggle. Le'amal doesn't mean to struggle. It means l'mod, to learn, al-minat le'lamed, in order to teach. Now we understand what he's saying. Just as an olive causes the forgetting of 70 years of Torah, olive oil restores it. The Midrash Tanhuma says, oil is offered on top of the Mizbeach. It says the olive whose oil is trapped and confined and cannot escape alludes to the person who learned and keeps everything within themselves. The olive oil is when we press the olive and share the oil with someone else. And therefore, someone who only is like the olive and keeps it inside, he is not worthy to remember, he should forget. But the one who shares it with other people, that alone will cause him to remember. So this is the fact, and this accurately describes the difference between Noah and his Gilgul, Moshe Rabbeinu. Noah was a Sadiq. Nevertheless, he resembled the olive. He kept the oil trapped within him. He didn't make an effort to venture out and teach the generation the ways of the Torah. He didn't venture out and try to teach the mitzvot. Ah, there was, so there really was Torah because you have to think there was the generation of Noah should have been worthy to receive the Torah Shebikhtav. They should have been worthy to receive the Torah, the written Torah, because Noah is really the same Neshama as Moshe. And had the generation been worthy, Noah, the, the Torah could have been given in the time of Noah. In the time of the Tower of Babel, <coughs> they should have been given the Torah Shebikhtav. I mean, Baal Peh. Because they will all argue back and forth with each other. But what did they do? They didn't help the other people. They weren't worthy of that. And you see the same in Sodom. Sodom should have received the Torah of the, of the future world. And basically there's a class that's, that we call the Sukkav Sodom. And why Sodom was something so great and came so low. Because the greater the potential, the greater the, the loss. So because they had gone through the, uh, Egyptian, the Egyptian exile, they were then worthy. They, they basically paid the price of, because it's the same people. The people who were alive in the time of the Mabul come back as the people of the Tower of Babel. They, they're tested again. Then they come back as Sodom. They're tested again. When Abraham Avinu doesn't take them as his, his own people, when he wins them back in the war, there's a war and he wins and the king of Sodom says, please, you take the money, give me the people. Abraham was able to take all the people. They all should have been his slaves. 
He says, no, you keep the people, you keep the money. What happened is they all have to come back again, and they're in Egypt. And in Egypt, they go through this process where they end up coming out. Did you say Abraham was 10 generations after Noah, or he was 52 when he died? So Abraham is 10 generations after, he's a 10th generation descendant of Noah, but he was still, but Noah was still alive because Noah lives 900 years. Oh, I know that. Wait, so wait, I just, I'm going to finish and then we'll come back to it. So it says that Hashem explains the reason for the mitzvah of taking the olive oil is to keep the lamp burning continuously because the oil is how it works. How does the Torah get learned continuously? When a person shares what they know with someone else. So now we see what was so special about the dove that Hashem wanted to commemorate. The dove comes back to Noah in the evening and there's an olive branch in his mouth. After the dove saw that the water had receded from the earth, she wanted to let Noah know that the necessary tikkun for you, Noah, to perform is this. Don't just take the olive leaf. Don't just take the olive. You have to take the oil within the olive. You have to share it. She was indicating to, to him that he's going to have to come back as Moshe. Moshe is going to have to make amends for him by lighting the menorah with the oil of the olive, allowing the oil to emerge for the benefit and enlightenment of others. At this point, we can finally appreciate the cryptic wisdom of the rabbis. Just as the dove brought light to the world, so too you, B'nai Israel, bring light, bring olive oil like the dove to light the menorah. And that's why it says to Moshe Ve'atah, you should command them to bring the oil. This coincides with this illusion that Noach shet ve'atah. Moshe fixes the soul of, Mo- of Noach. The tikkun began with his willingness to sacrifice himself and say mechei But more important is vayichu elav shemen zayitzach, that you should take this shemen shet Moshe Noach. And how do you really rectify it? By not keeping the oil inside, by sharing the oil with others, meaning to take what I learn and to give it to others. So the tikkun the Zohar is saying that relates to this week's parasha. It's not about the Gilgul that Moshe was willing to say, even though we say, self-sacrifice on behalf of others. What the Zohar is really teaching us in this week's parasha is that for us to do what Hashem wants, for us to light that menorah, what do we have to do? We have to take what we learn and we have to give it to someone else. And every time we share what we have with someone else, it's as if we're lighting that menorah because we're bringing a spiritual light to the world. Every single day we have an opportunity to learn something and then give it over to at least one person. Because when you give something over to that one person, what's going to happen? You're going to remember it much more than if you had just learned it. And what's going to happen is you're fulfilling the mitzvah of what we say, a man was born la'amal, lilmod to learn al-minat lilamid. Sorry, you had a question. Yeah, I thought you had a question. Okay. Okay.